Episode 89, I bring in Matt Skura. Matt is a six-year NFL offensive lineman, undrafted by the Baltimore Ravens, played for the Dolphins, Giants, and your Los Angeles Rams. We talked about some of his football career life. Favorite was at the end when we talked just football shop. It was so much fun. Could have talked to him for hours. But we talked about his father who unfortunately committed suicide and he led us to that story as to how it happened, why it happened. And he's got some, obviously some guilt and you'll find out why. So let's get into it. NFL pro Matt Skura, episode 89. Here we go. Hey, Mike. Matt, how you doing, man? Good. How are you doing? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, perfect. Okay, cool. Perfect. So when do you ramp up training for, for the upcoming season? Um, when do I wrap up or when do I start? Ramp, ramp up. So I'm assuming you're oh, you're probably taking it easy right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I usually, um, like right now, I usually take it pretty easy. Just let the body heal from the season. Usually I wait until after the Super Bowl to like, I would say, really start ramping things up again. And yeah, it, it just allows the body. I've learned uh, for the past few years to let my body heal instead of trying to push through, you know, whether it's your wrists, shoulders, or whatever. It's better to just take it easy, let those heal, and trying to yeah. push through because they'll, they'll end up lingering. People have no idea what your position entails. And I think if they want to watch tape, all they have to do is watch Zeke Elliott on the last play of last <laughs> week trying to be a center in the NFL. That was one of the most uh, unique things that, I've ever seen. And uh, I, was, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, that's a lineman. Make it look pretty easy, like Dude. sitting down on a bull rush and all this stuff. And then you see someone who's not used to that just get obliterated. It's, uh, it's pretty pretty funny, actually. And it's, and it's not like Zeke is a little guy. Like, Zeke Zeke's a big dude. Right. I mean, the, the, you know, the guy's a tank. And, this, I mean, right. whoever, I forgot who it was, if it was Greenlaw or Warner or one of them. Just absolutely brutalized this guy like he was a Pop Warner kid. Yeah, I don't think uh, Zeke was expecting that at all either. I think he was just probably expecting the guy to like spy right. him or Dak. And so and he just decided to bull rush right into the chest. I think it definitely caught him by surprise. And yeah, that was that was interesting. I'd, I'd never seen a formation like that. So yeah. I think that'll probably be the last time. Yeah. Um, I think the NFL career, the average NFL career is three and a half years. Uh, you've been doing this for six years now. You're an undrafted free agent. What you're doing is is not easy. What's the key to staying in the league? Uh, I mean, there's definitely many factors. I think probably top is just like staying healthy. You know, I've always heard the best ability is availability. And so that's something that, um, as I've gone on in my career, just making sure I take care of my body, just because the way my career has went, you know, in 2017, I got my first start um, when Marshall Yonda, unfortunately, broke his leg the second week of the season. And then the next week I was starting my first game ever in London. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I think that's just been something that I've, taken to heart and then i think too just being adaptable being able to um absorb different types of coaching uh absorbing different kinds of positions um i you know at duke i played primarily at center and then when i got my first real start in the nfl i had to play right guard and so I had to quickly adapt to playing guard, a position that I really hadn't played um, really since high school before then. And yeah, just learning, being able to pick up a playbook, being a good teammate, like being able to, you know, this year with the Rams, just like coming in week three of the season, you know, it's hard for myself. It's hard for the guys in the a line room, the team to, you know, really to get it to mesh. But, you know, I take pride in someone being able to, I don't know, just be a guy who can gel with everyone and uh, contribute where, where I, you know, fit best. But 
Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, being able to play multiple positions, being able to pick up the playbook pretty quick, staying healthy, um, those kind of things have, I think all three of those things kind of kind of work to be the perfect storm to kind of create that longevity. Pretty brutal injuries on that O-line with the Rams this year, huh? I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah, no, I haven't to that extent. You know, when I was with the Giants last year, 2021, you know, they took some, you know, I think it was like two guys, you know, at the beginning of the season that got hurt and it, it obviously like shook things up and, you know, we had to put guys in different spots. But yeah, this uh, past year was something that I've really never experienced at any point in my career, just seeing how many guys go down with serious, you know, season ending injuries and then guys who would come in to fill in also getting hurt guys filling in for those positions getting hurt as well. So yeah, I mean, definitely crazy, but I think at the same time too, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm proud of the way we fought and battled and kind of, you know, we ended up actually becoming a really close knit group by the end of the season. And I think, you know, when all like the different lineups and changes and this and that, I think we, we had a lot of meetings um, at the end of our work days, just being like, guys, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's on us to gel, get this thing figured out. And yeah, I think we just all wanted to play for each other. And I think, yeah, it, it, it took a concerted effort by everyone. And you're a free agent, right? Going into uh, this coming season. Is it too early to talk to teams? Um, I don't, well, I guess I'm technically still under contract until the new league year. Mm-hmm. So I guess technically I can't talk to teams um, is how I interpret it. The new league year but starts after the Super Bowl? Is it the day after? I think it might be like March 13th. I don't know why I'm thinking of that date. Um, I could be completely off on that. But yeah, so whenever... Yeah, that new the, the league year ends, the new one begins is when I'm like, I guess, officially unrestricted. So it's definitely luckily I've not my first time going through it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a little bit more prepared mentally just for the the waiting game or, you know, just seeing what happens. But yeah, definitely excited to see what's gonna happen. I'm sure you'd love to return, right? Your experience was okay? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. So um, Did the family were they able to adapt to uh, California? Did you bring them down here? Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah. So we have our home base in Charlotte, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and luckily the flights from Charlotte to LAX are direct flights. Mm-hmm. And you know, I gotta hand it to my wife. She was a uh, road warrior in the sense of flying cross country by herself with uh, my four-year-old daughter and my two-year-old son. Mm. And yeah, they were actually able to make it out to quite a few games. Um, My wife would either bring herself and the kids or just some weekends uh, just come by herself. And yeah, they ended up loved it. They, they really liked California, Los Angeles as a whole, you know, obviously the weather and the scenery being able to just see a part of the country that I've never really spent much time in. My wife has never been uh, to California. So it was just really cool to get to experience all that with my wife, my kids, taking them to Disneyland, Mm. just kind of doing all the things, (laughs) trying to fit in as much as possible um, to get the the best experience for them. That's awesome. So, Let's let's get into the the Bill Plaschke LA Times uh, article. Uh, came out a couple weeks ago, yeah. and it's got to do with your your dad Doug, um, who who took his life. Man, it's a it's a it's a crazy story, obviously, and I I can't imagine what you and the family have gone through. But what happens after? Like, how are you feeling today about that whole the whole scenario? Yeah, I mean, I I tell people like. Obviously, it's a very tragic and sad situation. You know, I I tell people there goes there's days or even like a week weeks go by where like I'm fine, like day to day living just normal life, nothing really 
comes up and but then there are days where it's just tough like you can't really explain the grief but it's just like something will trigger it where where it's like you know it's like oh man i wish like i was my dad was here so i could ask him this question or you know my daughter uh will ask me questions about my dad and i have to answer that or yeah just going throughout the football season you know just thinking about you know the text he would send or ask me you know oh how's my you know, how's the body feeling are there any bumps and bruises because you know he was uh, he was a doctor and a surgeon and so he was always very mm-hmm. interested about that but yeah i mean i would say majority of the time like day to day it's good but then there are things that come up that do you know make you angry or sad where you want questions answered you have like i there's guilt there's frustration and so luckily you know through therapy and you know the support of my wife and my family like the support we have for each other like we've been able to feel those emotions in a healthy way like and also like verbalize them and talk about them so yeah i mean it's definitely it's it's very difficult but i've also you know have learned to just in a healthy way deal with all of it when did he take his life matt well you know i think there had been multiple um events and scenarios going on not just within like a month or two uh, of his passing it had been i think there's a lot of i guess private family issues that had been going on for many years and so that was definitely a big stressor in his life and then you know obviously his work was stressful but that was kind of always his escape and then i don't know i think you know the stress of everything outside of his work was really starting to get to him i remember last january around it was probably around this time maybe a week earlier he was for whatever reason shoveling snow and had a slip and fall where he got a concussion like slipped a disc in his neck had a bunch of like basically had a concussion mixed with like a stinger so he was in a lot of pain not feeling like himself people at work started noticing that he wasn't himself um and people were getting not only like myself my brothers my mom and family members were getting concerned but there were co-workers getting concerned about his mental health and you know my dad was just saying you know oh i don't need to get any help like i'm fine i'll this is just like a rough patch that i'm going through and yeah i mean i think it just got into such a deep dark place that he just didn't see a way out and and it's just extremely unfortunate, you know, like there were a lot of people in his life that were trying to get him help, steer him in the right direction. And um, it's just unfortunate that um, we couldn't save his life. Did he take his life last March, 2022? Yeah. March 10th. Yep. 2022. And your mom is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And did he do it like in the same house as when your mom was around or? Uh, yes. Yeah, he did. He was, uh, he was an orthopedic surgeon. Now when he fell and he had a concussion, was he, did he stop working for a time period? I think he tried to go back to work. And then I think just with everything with the concussion and his, the pain that he was feeling like he wasn't able to, really concentrate and focus the way that he needed to. And so he did have to step away from work. Mm. And that's probably when it all kind of started, right? Cause he, he's, I'm assuming, I mean, all of us as human, as humans, naturally our bodies want to move and assuming he's not moving or doesn't have anything to do for the day, uh, a routine that's probably, you know, in his mind, it's probably affecting him. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, and you know the, I mean, he was extremely passionate about you know the patients that he served, and he was you know deeply passionate about medicine in and of himself. So that being taken away from him obviously was very difficult and really just trying to figure out life without medicine which he had practiced for nearly 30 years and so it's kind of like you know with professional athletes it's like you know we some guys only do it for three and a half some guys do it for 10 or more years and it's really hard to transition into kind of a quote-unquote like normal life and i think that's something that my dad was trying to figure out as well it's like this was kind of abruptly taken away from him on like a freak accident and there's all these stressful things going on in his life and he's trying to figure out like how do i like what does also life look like when my life's work basically is taken away from me were there any signs of depression prior to that um, I noticed it, uh, a little bit after his fall because I had, t- so my, my birthday is in February. And so I talked to him on my birthday and like via FaceTime and could definitely tell that he was just, I, I guess the best word would be withdrawn and just, not much emotion, not much inflection in his voice, almost like tired kind of. And I, I just, I did feel like something was off, but not, I guess, probably too, I mean, obviously hindsight to the extent that he would take his own life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. How about that text? Can you take me through that text you sent him? I think it was the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, my older brother and I were just like coordinating times for me to come up to Columbus. And I was just trying to figure, I was basically just telling my dad, Hey, I'm going to be coming up to Columbus. Um, and he texted me back like, Oh, like what's going on. And I said, nothing. I just, I'm paraphrasing, but just, I want to see you just thought I'd want to make a trip. I was telling my older brother, Brian, that, you know, I wanted to come up and see you. And then, um, I talked to my brother later that day, just saying, and my older brother told me, you know, dad's not doing well. Like he just needs some space just to try to like mentally figure things out. Maybe it's not like the best time for you to see like dad this way. And, like you can come see him like at a later time. And I was like, okay, like I, I understand and all of that. So I think I, I texted him either the night before or the morning or that morning. And, um, cause it was a Thursday and I, I texted him, Hey dad, like just want to let you know, I'm not coming into Columbus. Like I heard you're not doing great, but I just wanted to give you like the space to, figure out everything that's going on. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Um, and yeah, just that was, that was it. And, um, yeah, it's definitely just like a wild thing to think about. And, you know, really something that gave me really a lot of, a lot of like guilt and just very difficult to process that just, through just because of the whole situation. And, and yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, unbelievable. I mean, you, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of guilt. You probably think you're second guessing yourself. Cause you're probably thinking if I went there, what would have happened? Right. The next yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he, he, maybe he wouldn't have done it the next day if I showed up the day before. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's where you just like, I mean, for me, that's just where a lot of the, the guilt set in just because you start telling you yourself all these things, like all these what ifs and different scenarios. And, and that's, and that's definitely part of the grief and 
um, the grieving process and trying to move past that guilt as well. Yep. And how good does it feel that you're talking about this and you're, you're bringing out to the public and I'm sure you're talking to your teammates about it and coaches. That's got to feel good, right? Yeah, it definitely does. Like, uh, just because the more I talk about it, the more comfortable I am like discussing it. And yeah, I knew when I had joined the Rams some point during the season that it was going to be, um, brought up and I figured probably during like the, my cause, my cleats week that I probably would just because of either people seeing my cleats. I knew I was going to like post about it on social media. And I think the discussions have really helped me. Hopefully, you know, it has touched um, other people as well. And the biggest thing for me is, you know, just not just making sure people don't feel alone who have gone through a similar loss and that I want to use my platform to reach to as many people as possible and just to showcase um, the importance of taking care of your mental health, reaching out to family, friends, teammates. um, If you see signs of someone not behaving as themselves. And so yeah, it's definitely been very therapeutic in that sense. And it's, yeah, it's helped me uh, with myself. It's helped me how I talk about it with my wife and my kids, um, with other family members. And yeah, it's definitely been um, a blessing. Since you've come out with this publicly, has anybody reached out to you that, that you don't know, or even family or friends or players or coaches? Yeah. A lot of a lot of people that actually were my dad's uh, co-workers um, had recently messaged me just a lot of you know funny stories about my dad, um, just how much he meant to them in their careers. I had like former patients of my dad reach out, comment, uh, just saying how much he meant in their lives and how great of a doctor he was to them and how thankful they are of him. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people that I do know, obviously a lot of family and friends, teammates, coaches, just, you know, again, sending their condolences and just letting me know that they're thinking about me and my family. But yeah, I think what's been really special too is just seeing the people that I don't know and reading the stories, interacting with them, just because those are some things that I didn't know about my dad too, just in his day-to-day work. So it's just kind of good to read those stories, laugh about them a little bit because they're just quirky things that my dad would do. And so that's been also very special to me. So was this the first time you've gone public with this? Yeah. I mean, really since obviously we had like an obituary and we sent out, we set up a memorial fund for my dad. I, when he had, after he had passed, I posted it on my Instagram. So a lot of people who follow me, like friends, family obviously knew about it. And then, but I think once the Bill Plaschke article came out, it definitely magnified that uh, a lot more. And so it was, uh, yeah, I even had, you know, former coaches and friends like who didn't even hear about it when I had originally posted about it on my Instagram, like, hey, I had no idea, like sending my thoughts to you. And so, yeah, it, it definitely kind of took off after that. Yeah. What kind of reactions did you get from your NFL family, your your Rams family, the teammates and coaches? What, what was the reaction like with those guys? You know, they're obviously very proud of me speaking up about it just like hey if you ever need to talk like just let me know like about anything that's going on just how they respected that i came out with the story just because it's obviously not easy to do and it's definitely something easy to just kind of keep close to the family and yeah i mean i i definitely got a lot of phone calls and texts just saying how much they appreciate me talking about this issue and, you know, putting myself out there and being 
vulnerable and yeah, but and, and then it will it'll help people. Uh, have you thought of any outreach programs to help those with uh, depression? Um, I mean, I, I've teamed up with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely the, the biggest platform that I've reached out. Um, I'm still wanting to figure out how I want to, obviously this is like with like my brothers and I, figuring out how we want to use my dad's memorial fund to possibly grow it into something bigger, something like a, a yearly event that like honors him, but also like raises money um, just because we have received a large amount of donations. And I like want to like continue to build upon my dad's legacy and also help people out there who are struggling. So I think that's something in the future I would like to do. I still haven't, you know, fully thought through a plan with that. But yeah, I mean, I definitely want to continue working in this realm and bringing as much attention and light to it as possible. Yep. It's awesome. That's an awesome first step. I I just learned when I was prepping for this conversation with you that 55,000 suicides a year in the United States, man, I had no idea. And that's yeah. pretty quiet. Like nobody really talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it affects a whole range of communities. You know, the military community is heavily affected by it. Yep. Young people, middle-aged, old people of all backgrounds, educations like are affected by this. So I think that's something too, that can be brought to light that it's like, my dad was an extremely like intelligent person, like an orthopedic surgeon for 30 years. Like, and these things can, it's not untouchable to any sort of, of group. And so, yeah, I think when people see the statistics and uh, even for myself, like it's still pretty hard to believe. Yeah, and most of the time they don't want to talk about it if it's their pride or their ego or whatever it is. I mean, it's a it, you know most men are we're, we're macho guys, and we don't want to talk about something that you know supposedly is bothering us. And goes for women as well. They've got egos and pride, and it's hard for a lot of people to talk about that subject. But there's so many yeah, ways sure. of doing it. You know, like there's so many ways of getting out of it if it's um, you know medication or not, you know, whichever route you want to take. But there's always, yeah. I feel like there's always ways. We all, we're, look, none of us are perfect. We all have good days and bad days. And the good days will, or the, the bad days will outweigh the good and, and, and the good and the bad. But, man, we got to just remember that there's there's always going to be good days ahead, you know, and there's, there's tips and rules as to kind of get out of that, um, get out of your head, stop overthinking you know, get out, you know, just not be so uh, stagnant. No, for sure. And that's kind of what I've wanted to bring to light as well. It's just like there are resources for people who have either who suspect someone is depressed and maybe have suicidal thoughts. There's resources for, you know, people like myself and my family who have experienced a loss by suicide. Um, and yeah, there's you know, resources to talk to a therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist as well, and to get the help because, yeah, I, I said this on uh, the panel I was in with the Rams. I, I said, you know, suicide prevents the ability for things to get better. And because they're always kind of like that light at the end of the tunnel where it's like things will eventually get better the hard dark days will pass and and it's obviously easier said than than done yeah but um but yeah just kind of trying to share that perspective and also to show like i've lost my dad like there's nothing more than i anything in this world i want to just have my dad and so shedding light on like the heartbreak like you know we care deeply about my dad and like 
his loss is felt every day. And so just showing as well, like there's a lot of pain and heartache on the other side of it as well. And so I think just, yeah, the all encompassing perspective, I think really helps. Yeah. And I think the the biggest tip that I can give is to communicate and talk. Because if there's something that's bothering you, you can get you can get over it. You know, if, if you're either talking to that person that's bothering you or talk to somebody else about the person that's bothering you or whatever it is, whatever the scenario is, I always feel like there more times than not, there's there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel that you can you can figure out an issue. It's just about communicating. And when you're holding stuff in, Matt, as you know, it'll destroy you. Yep, 100%. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, that's what I've had to learn as well. Because um, that's just part of who, what my, my personality is. I'm an yeah. introverted yeah. person by nature and um, have always just held my feelings in. Yeah. Don't want to show emotion. Like, and, you know, I've been able to learn that, like, communication is so vital not even like obviously about emotions and everything, but just communication in, in general and just yeah like sharing your feelings your thoughts your opinions with someone that you trust whether it's a friend yep. spouse family member it's extremely important and uh it definitely plays a big part in having like a, a good mental health Dude, you're six six, three hundred pounds. You, you're already. Uh, people are already going to assume you're this amazing giant of a person. But at the end of the day, bro, you're a human being, and there's nothing wrong with feelings. You know, and that's you could be four foot six, and you can have the same feelings. It that, that does not matter, man. We all go through stuff, so yeah, I, I feel you. Yep. I'm, I'm introverted too, man. There's stuff that I hold back all the time. And as I get older, I learn, I learn about that. And I was like, man, that stuff really bothered me when I was younger. And now I, I don't, I, I just open my mouth I got a tongue, I've got a mouth and, and that allows me to speak. So I'm going to speak. No, hundred percent. And yeah, it just lifts a heavy weight off of, yep. off of you and you're able to feel like you can live your life in a more healthy way as well. And you're better, you're going to be a better person around other people. Because you're in a better state and people want people who are, who have good energy and are, and are in a good state. You know, you don't want to look down and, and depressed and, and, and don't want to be around people. Right. If you, there's something on your chest, no, man, just, yeah, just let it out. we got to talk about it. So you watching the, uh, you watching the playoffs? Oh yeah. I've watched, I think just about all the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I enjoy watching playoff football yeah. and having to, I've gotten lucky enough to experience it a few times and there's truly nothing like it. And yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I love watching it. Dude. What's it like running out of a tunnel at a playoff game? Oh, I mean, it's an extremely exhilarating feeling. I mean, it's, it's hard to like replicate. It's just like the best feeling ever. (laughs) And, And, uh, no, it's just like, Especially, I like it too at away games mm. when like the crowd really hates you, and it's like, like when they're at their loudest, like right before like the national anthem or whatever, they're just like booing you and all this stuff. I think that's mm. um, awesome. Like they have like their pump up music uh, going and all this stuff. Like I think that's what really um, probably gets me going like the most before before games and yeah it's it's fun it, it doesn't get a uh, boring that's for sure yeah so home games obviously you're amazing right you got you know 60,000 on your side but you make an interesting point because I, I know I, I know the feel well I don't know the feeling of 60,000 people but I know the feeling of people doubting you or or you know talking down on you would you rather play an away game in the playoffs than a home game um, you know, that, I mean, if you get a win yeah. on the road in the yeah. playoffs, yeah. I mean, dude, as a fan, it's the greatest feeling, Matt, as a fan, yeah. I can't imagine what it's like as a player. Oh, 
Yeah. I mean, like knowing that they're the other team's going home mm. in their own <laughs> state. I mean, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty nice feeling. I mean, th- I think that's part of the reason why the Bengals like just have mm. so much confidence going into each game. They've had to play in really difficult road games and have won them and now have won. Well, I guess their first one was a home game, but you know, the last win in Buffalo, like getting that win. I mean, that's, Mm. that provides so much momentum and confidence. Like that you're like really going into anywhere you, it really doesn't affect you like them going um, into Arrowhead. It's just like another, it's another game to them. It's, you don't feel the pressure of the atmosphere or the crowd yelling. You're like, well, we'd, we've done this before and we, we can just, we just do it again because we're just so locked in and focused. So, um, yeah, I mean, getting a win like that on the road in the playoffs, that that's pretty, pretty sweet. Um, getting one at home, um, obviously it's really nice too, but, yeah, nothing, you know, I don't know. It's just nice hearing the crowd gets completely silent, yeah. uh, like right at the end of the fourth quarter, and you can just be happy as you can just heading into the locker room. And everybody's exiting, right? Waving bye to everybody. Yeah. That's the best. Uh, Super Bowl, who you got? You got Cincy going there? Um, let's see. Yeah, I think, you know, Mahomes hmm. getting injured. I mean, not completely changes the game. Um, Kansas City is still really good without Mahomes. They've got a really good offensive line, really great receivers, um, a good defense. Yeah, I think just the Bengals, though, are just kind of riding that momentum and confidence that I think they can take themselves to the to the Super Bowl. And then the 49ers... Eagles game, I think that's just going to be a bloodbath. That's going to be mm-hmm. like an awesome game to watch. I mean, for me personally, just watching that game between the offensive defensive lines, yep. like, yep. I really like. I had a buddy this past weekend. He was like, "What do you watch like during these games?" I'm like, mm-hmm. "I really watch the offensive line, and more specifically, I like to watch like the interior three, mm-hmm. just because I like to learn." from those guys and just getting to see how different guys pick up different looks. And I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Philly. So Philly's Bengals. And then I wouldn't mind seeing Joe Burrow get a, get a championship ring. But yeah, I think, I think the Bengals could take themselves back to another Super Bowl. Pretty damn impressive, man. The Bengals. I didn't think they'd get back here. I love Burrow. Love. He's five and zero against the AFC. You know that yeah. lost lost in the Super Bowl last year, right? Thank thank God to the Rams. And and by the way, had the Rams almost beat right. Odell goes out, and right. it's a whole different game. They can't really move the ball in some way somehow. Last drive, Stafford Cup and Cup just doing his thing, and then Donald finishes it. But I mean, things did not look good for the Rams three and a half quarters in that game. And now no. this dude brings them back. He's a game away. From the Super Bowl, he's five and zero against the AFC in the playoffs. He's got a chance to take him back, and then the 49ers, I you know look at man, I, I born and raised LA Rams fan back in the day. Had tickets as a kid with my family. Got tickets now. Stuck with them when they're in St. Louis. Took a couple trips down there to watch them play. So I you know Rams are you know one of my favorite teams. Well, is my right. is, is my favorite NFL team. But Matt, that defensive line of the 49ers. They bring four yeah. guys every freaking time and they get to the quarterback more times than not. It's it's something I don't I've never seen before. What's it like going against yeah. that D line? I mean, it's it's really tough because just the style in which they play is like get up the field as fast as they can. You know, we kind of say uh, just in the football world, like they even try to get a sack on a run play. (laughs) And that's just what's very difficult about defending. I mean, they take you off your double teams. Fred Warner and those linebackers 
you know, know how, what gives offensive lines and running backs fits and coverage. They're rock solid. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you, you try to, you get it blocked up and they get you with like a coverage sack or, you know, maybe the coverage isn't great, but then they get you with their defensive line and their stunts. And so they have an extremely talented front. Their style of play is very physical. Yeah, and that's what I'm I'm just excited to watch how both of these O line and D lines play because Eagles have a very good offensive line. 49ers have a great defensive line. So I'm I'm just gonna be interested to see how that all pans out just because uh, and then obviously the Eagles defensive line is great as well. I mean those guys are physical freaks as well. So it will be interesting. I don't know. I know the 49ers didn't play like their best game against the Cowboys, but it, it, I think it's going to be a true heavyweight fight between those two teams. Yeah, I'm with you. And and uh, at the end of the day, they were the two best NFL NFC teams. And I think it's like you said, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I told my buddy the same thing. He's he's a 49er fan. I told him it's going to be all about your D-line and Philly's O-line because they're, they're both grade A, and they're both going to just get after each other, and that's going to be so much fun to watch. Do those guys, yeah. uh, do they talk a lot of shit on the line, the Niners? Um, not really. I mean, not that I've <laughs> experienced, uh, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the, the funny part, too. It's, you know, I get that. I do get that question a lot. Like, do they talk a lot? Like, just like really any defensive line, mm-hmm. like in general. And uh, you really don't find like too many. You'll you'll have like individual guys like here and there, mm-hmm. but yeah, not like anything. I mean, I've had games where plenty of games where me and the guy I'm going against, like we really don't say a word. A word. <laughs> yeah. <That's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like we're we're both just you know so like, awkward, right? At that point, isn't it kind of awkward? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like. Right. I don't, I'm not good at trash talking. Yeah. So like, yeah. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> like, even if I like pancake you, yeah. like I, I'm next not play. like saying like next play. Yeah. Like you're not really going to get much out of me. I was going to say, I mean, you've got like such a nice looking face. You're a nice guy. You're just, you just seem like such a good down to earth guy. I can't imagine anybody saying anything to you. You know, at, at, if anything, I feel like it'll probably motivate you more because, you you know, who who knows what's deep down in there, you know, when you're on the football field. Right, right. You know, like, I get, I'll definitely get, like, pumped up for, like, a big block. If I have, like, a big block that mm-hmm. leads to a touchdown or we, like, as an O-line just have, like, a crazy, like, physical play in the run game that leads to a touchdown or, or like, some big gain. Um, those things like that's what like really like makes me like pumped up like fist pump and yell and all that stuff I think I do that mostly too because I know the drive is over and I can just either go to field goal or <laughs> right to the sideline um, I, I uh, like to conserve as much energy as possible as well like when guys start fighting and this and that I'm like trying to break it up I'm not trying to get into it because it's just you know come on guys we're, we're trying to conserve energy here i'm not trying to start a boxing match uh midway through this game <laughs> what's what's the best line you've heard a dn say to one of your o-linemen um man that we were this was back in baltimore and someone said something to orlando brown mm. And I think this was when Orlando was a rookie. It might have been when we were playing against the Chiefs. And uh, Orlando was like, I may be young, but I'm an OG. <laughs> and, uh, and just like the, like, just Orlando's personality, the way he, like, talks and everything, like, this is like in the middle of the game. I just thought it was hilarious <laughs> and also just like a really great like comeback line. Yeah. Just because like, you know, his dad played a lot of years and, you know, Orlando's like very confident in himself. And that, like that one, like forever is like 
ingrained in my mind. I'm trying to think. Like, you know, Marshall Yonda used to hate when, like, rookie, like, rookie D linemen or young D linemen would try to, like, talk trash. And you'd be like, hey, young buck, like, you haven't been in this long enough or just those sorts of things. I don't know. It was just, like, little tidbits thrown out there from from him. But, yeah, I haven't – I'm trying to – think if I haven't really heard much from D lineman that have like really popped up on top of my head. How about tips? Like have any D lineman said like, dude, you should maybe move this way or you should put your hands this way in in between a game or after a game? Um no a, a lot of times that happens like in practice mm-hmm. just between like teammates, they'll be like, hey, you know, I can tell when you're pulling mm-hmm. or your feet get a little more staggered or balanced up when you do this. And I've also learned just through my career that defenses are looking at tendencies like that. If your arms are crossed in a two point stance that a lot of teams think like, Oh, that's a run. And then when your hands are apart, you're about to pass block. Mm. So I, I try to hide like all of those tendencies that I have. And I'm like, keeping a track of them during the season as well. Like, oh, well, maybe I need to run block a little bit more out of a two-point stance because I've been really only pass blocking out of a two-point stance. So those sorts of things, like, just in my own mind, just because I've learned from defensive coordinators and defensive players that they look for those things, and I'm just in tune to them myself. Interesting. Kind of like tipping a pitch for for a pitcher. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you don't want to give away any sort of indication of what you're about to do because you want to put yourself in the best position to win your block just for that one play. And then the next play is something completely different. So, yeah, I try to hide any any tendencies if I'm, if I'm able to. Yeah. Matt, you're an awesome guy, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did as well. I applaud you. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, man, thank you. I really applaud you for speaking out because you're helping a lot of people. And honestly, man, most importantly, you're helping yourself because that that stuff can bog you down. That your your future is bright. You've you've got a, looks like an amazing family, amazing wife, and so just stay good, stay whole, stay happy, and you know, reach out to those that that you can trust, that you can lean on, because I'm sure they'll be there for you. So I'm sure you've been there for them. So, um, yeah, yeah, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And is there anything else you want to talk about or discuss? Uh, or no, I mean, everything? this was awesome. Yeah. I think we, we really touched on everything and I mean, this was awesome. I really appreciate you inviting me on to, uh, your podcast and definitely one of the best talks I've had with someone and yeah, no, this was an awesome experience and I really just appreciate you reaching out and able to coordinate a time to get, get this together. And, and yeah, I mean, I thought, it, I thought it was great. Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. Makes me feel good. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no problem. And I hope the Rams bring you back, man. I really do. Would love to keep yeah, you here in the city. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. sure. No, yeah. I really like enjoyed like the season. The locker room was great. Really liked McVay. Yeah. Um, really like the coaches. I mean, really one of, uh, the best and most positive experiences I've had while playing football. So definitely like a testament to, to the organization. That's what a lot of, a lot of players say about McVay. I think he brings that energy, right? Positive energy. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. He's, he's different. Yep. He, that guy's a different dude, man. He's different in a really good way. Like he, he, you know, he burns his candle immediately. Like I think he's the kind of guy who is so intense, right? So he goes on when he's in the middle of the season, he the, the retirement talk is talked about because he's so damn intense and it's driving him nuts that he's losing games. But then he'll take like three days off and go on vacation and he's ready to go again. You know? Right. He's 100%. like how do I not how do I not live without football? Like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like uh Color commentating sounds cool and all, but come on, dude. I want to be in the locker room. I want to be with the guys. So, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, that's good. The offensive line coach is no longer, right? 
correct. So they're, I know they uh, interviewed the Bears assistant O-line coach. I think it was today. Okay. So, so we'll see, uh, nice. I guess, where that goes. And Good. Yeah, go from there. <laughs> All right, Matt. Take care, man. Keep in touch. Um, Thank you. More than likely, we'll put this up on Thursday, so I'll tag you on social. Okay. I'll, I'll shoot you a text, and uh, you'll have it all. And again, man, you're you're an awesome guy. You really are. You're an amazing, amazing person, and I wish you nothing but the best. And uh, again, I hope you I hope you stay here. I hope you stay local so I can watch you in person and on TV, and, and I hope you get a nice, big, fat contract because you deserve it. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, that's really nice too. But yeah, thank you for having me on. And uh, no, I really enjoyed the conversation. Such a good dude, man. I telling you, I can, I can talk to that guy for a long time. You can just tell he's just a down to earth, good person. And I didn't tell him this, and I hope he's hearing it now. But you can tell there's so much more left in the tank for him in terms of stuff that's off the field. Guy graduated from Duke, so. Right off the bat, he's bright. Even without the Duke education, he's a smart guy. But there's more left in the tank in terms of what he can do with an outreach program for suicide prevention. 50,000 deaths in the U.S. And that number is quiet, man. It's rare. I mean, it's not rare. People talk about it. Obviously, you hear about it. But I think a lot more can be done. And it's pretty evident that there's a mental health issue in our country i think it starts there so i'm looking forward to his journey on the field but once i mean he can do it when he's on the field too obviously he's got this platform and stage where he's kind of past the vetting process he can get to folks that a lot of people can't and so i'm looking forward to the journey where he's able to make a difference in a lot of people's lives and god's got a plan for all of us and i think god puts us in positions for us to handle And in this case, God is essentially telling him that there's more for him to do while he's on the field and when he's done playing football. So, again, looking forward to that little journey of his and seeing what he does. Uh, He's a good dude, man. Thank you to Matt for coming on and sharing that story and being vulnerable and open and honest and transparent because you know people are out there struggling and... Hopefully he was able to help somebody with this story or the story at the LA Times and Bill Plaschke. I mean, again, it's cool to be vulnerable. It makes us feel good and be able to help others. So it's good. He's a good guy. Um, so until next time, folks, I am Mike Gabriel. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. This is Mike the Pod. No wasted days. Let's go. Let's go.